to hear an anointed, powerful word that will change your life from Treasure Coast Victory Center. Be blessed as your faith goes from one level of glory to another level of glory. All right, take your Bibles tonight. Go to 1 Timothy chapter 4. We have been talking about the spirit realm and spiritual things. How many of you know that you are a spirit? You have a soul, which is your mind, your will, and emotions. You live in a physical body. The angels are spirits. Demons are spirits. And God is a spirit. Praise God. So we've been studying about the different things. And basically what we've been looking at is how wrong doctrine in your life that came from probably someone who talked to you about it, basically when you lock in on that, you can allow demonic activity in your life because you're actually an unbelief. How many know you're always believing something sometime? People say, I'm not an unbelief, I'm not thinking anything. Well, you believe that you're not thinking anything, so you're still believing something. Right? So you're always believing something. What we need to do is line our thoughts and our lives up with God so that we're believing God and thinking his thoughts and doing his ways. And by doing that, we live free in every single area of our life. All right, 1 Timothy chapter 4, look at verse 1. It says, now the Spirit speaks expressly that in the latter times, how many know we may be there? In latter times, some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron, forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from meats which God has created to be received with thanksgiving of them which believe and know the truth. Now this is talking about latter times. If it's not the latter, latter times, it's latter than it was the last time you got here, praise God. So we're in latter times and notice what it says, demonic activity is going to be on the increase, isn't it? And we can see that in society. We got divorced now at an all-time high. I think it's over 50% of the marriages now, not only in the world, but in the church, basically end up in divorce. We see hospitals who are struggling. We see insane asylums overflowing with people because more is needed today than just regular earthly counseling. It is a spiritual battle that each and every one of us fight each and every day. We need more than doctors. We need more than medicine. We need more than vitamins. We need more than these things. The church has been called to go and preach with signs following, and the first sign it talks about is what? Casting out devils. Say casting out devils. So casting out devils or casting out spirits, actually there's one devil and many demons, but we're casting out spirits is a normal part of a kingdom activity if you're a kingdom citizen. Most people don't even believe in the devil. A lot of people don't even believe in the spirit realm. Many people don't even know that they're spirits. But you've got to understand that there are spirits. How many know there are angels? How many know God is really there? And how many know there are demon spirits who are out there? They did not pass away with the Old Testament. They did not grow old and die. They are still there, and they're still trying to do the same things. His playbook never changes. It's the same all the time. And the goal of devils here, it says, is to, that you depart from the faith. Now, if you're going to depart from the faith, you're going to have to depart from the Word because the Word of God is what brings you faith, and the Word of God is truth. So anything that you believe that is not the Word of God, in line with the Word of God, or in line with truth, makes you depart, basically, from the faith. You may grow up, and you may get doctrines of devils where you never had any faith in the authority that was given to you. Maybe you don't have any faith in the ability that God has given you. Maybe not the faith in the devil being defeated. All these things are things you discover as you go through the kingdom of God, and you spend time in the Word of God. So how does he get you to depart from the faith? Here it says he gets you to heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of who? Of devils. 
Now, it's easy to recognize and, and understand and see wrong doctrine when you're talking to a psychic, when you see some clown out there in a satanic cult someplace, or you see a Buddhist. But what we have a problem with is people actually in the church who do not understand the things of God, who are then preaching to many, many people in their congregation who they pass their ignorance on to them. And when they live in ignorance, Jesus said, or God said, my people are destroyed because of lack of knowledge. And we found out when you got born again, you got delivered from the kingdom of darkness. And that word darkness there is actually ignorance. Ignorance of what? Ignorance of God, ignorance of the things of God, ignorance of the word of God. Many of us basically didn't know about God. And then one day somebody told us that, uh, you know, Jesus is our Lord and Savior and you can receive him and you can get born again. And we did that and all at once it's like a light bulb went on on the inside. And we started to understand the things of the spirit at that time. Before that, it was available to us, only we were ignorant of what was there. So basically what happens, we get born into the kingdom of God and God wants to reveal things to us of the spirit realm. When I got born again, I went to the Holy Ghost. I said, what do you want me to study? The very first thing. And he told me devils and demons. How many know that wasn't a request? But it's what he spoke to me about. He said, if you're going to be fighting an enemy over the next 30 years, you need to know a little bit about him. You need to know how he operates, and you need to know that he is a real spirit being. So that's what I did. I started digging up scriptures on de- demons and demonic and things like that to try, to try to understand the enemy a little bit more so I could wage warfare and win every single time. How many know that you can win every single time? Hallelujah. You've got to be able to detect what is truth from a lie in order to do that. And basically sound doctrine or you'll live in doctrines of devils. It's entirely up to you which way you go. We must grow up spiritually so we can choose what to eat and what not to eat. As you grow into things of God, sometimes you'll hear somebody on TV or anybody else talking something that doesn't line up with you. When it doesn't, how I many you know it hits you right here? doesn't hit you here. It hits you in your spirit. And you say, my gosh, something's wrong here. You know, what they said, something sounded good. It looked good, but it wasn't quite right. That's the time you need to go check it out in the Word of God because you'll start to detect lies from the truth. And as you do that, then you'll be able to walk in the truth all the time, which brings you victory in every single area of your life. When I was growing up and studying the devil, of course, when you're studying something, you talk about it. And I didn't have many friends at that time. I had a few people who were in the churches I was at who actually wanted to talk about them or at least listen to me talk about them or whatever. And I heard some of the things they were saying. And, you know, one of the things that one of the guys always told me was, well, God created the devil. He created the devil. He must have wanted him here because he created the devil. So, of course, I started studying the Bible to study the Bible to see if God did create the devil or he didn't create the devil. So go to Ezekiel chapter 28. Well, God created the devil. A darn God. <laughs> Old Testament. Right, Ezekiel 28. Did you find it? Yeah. Let's start in verse 12. Now, this is the scriptures about the enemy, about the devil, or basically Lucifer. It says, Son of man. Take a lamentation up before the king of Tyrus, and say unto him, Thus says the Lord God that sealeth up the sun, the sum, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. Thou hast been in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was thy covering, the sardius, topaz, the diamond, the beryl, the ox, the jasper, the sapphire, the emerald, the carbuncle, the gold, the workmanship of thy tabrets and of thy pipes was prepared in thee in the day that thou was what? Created. Thou art the what? 
anointed cherub that covers, and I have set thee so thou wast upon the holy mountain of God. Thou hast walked up and down in the midst of the stones of fire. Thou was perfect in thy ways from the day that thou was created till iniquity was found in thee. By the multitude of thy merchandise, they have filled the midst of thee with violence, and thou hast sinned. Therefore I will cast thee out as profane of the mountain of God. I will destroy thee, O covering cherub, from the midst of the stones of fire. Thine heart was lifted up because of thy beauty. Thou hast corrupted thy wisdom by reason of thy brightness. I will cast thee to the ground. I will lay thee before kings that they may behold thee. Thou hast defiled thy sanctuaries by the multitude of thine iniquities, by the iniquity of thy traffic. Therefore will I bring forth a fire from the midst of thee. It shall devour thee, and I will bring thee to ashes upon the earth in the sight of all them that behold. Here's God basically talking through the Bible about the devil, about Satan, about Lucifer. He created Lucifer basically, and when he created him, how many know he created him to be good? He created him to be perfect. Everything that God created was good. Everything God created and God said it was good. And God saw it was good. So when he created Lucifer, he actually created him a, 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 a person of beauty, one of position. He was in a certain position in, in God's cabinet, if you could. He was close to the throne. Many people believe he was one who was hovering over, saying, glory, 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 Hosanna, 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 when he was up there. Because basically he was one of the more upper crust angels at that time. Basically, he was rich. Notice all the things he had. He had all the stones that you could possibly have, diamonds and everything that you'd ever need. He was perfect in wisdom. He was perfect in all the areas of his life. And he was full of wisdom, clothed in precious stones. He was basically a worshiper around the throne of God. And he was anointed. Say anointed. But notice what happened. Then iniquity was found in him, or sin was found in him. He was then filled with violence. He sinned, and he corrupted his wisdom. What happened? He sinned, and when he sinned, he was changed. He changed from the inside out. Basically, violence was found in him. Uh, basically, everything. And if you read a little bit further, you find out why he basically fell. And that was, a lot of people think it's pride, and that's part of it. But notice, it says about... Verse 18, thou hast defiled the sanctuaries by the multitude of thine iniquities, by the iniquity of thy traffic. Say traffic. If you look up the word there, apparently he had some kind of spiritual business at that time, and he was operating in some kind of business, and he didn't feel he had enough stuff. He didn't feel he had enough wisdom. He didn't feel he had enough control. He didn't feel like he had enough wealth. He didn't feel like all these things, and he wanted more from what he had. So basically, he fell because of a love of wealth or a love of money. Come on, what does the Bible said? The love of money is the root of how much evil? How much evil? All evil. So the love of money, it, all evil. Did he get prideful? Yes, he got prideful because he wanted even more than God had given him when he was born. So notice, if you look today, how many know still one of the major problems in the world right now is the love of money? I always tell Becky, wherever you see a problem, follow the money. You're going to follow where the corruption's really at. All this other stuff's a smokescreen. What are they after? They're after what the devil was after. They're after money. They're after false pride. They want to be known. They want to be important. And they want to be controlling just like the devil when he fell. Also, it's got to do with self-centeredness. Notice everything he wanted was for him. He didn't want nothing for the other angels. He didn't want nothing for God. He didn't want nothing for anything. Everything he wanted was him. Now, notice God didn't say, well, I'm glad you sinned. I'm glad you became terrible because I really need you in the earth to purify my people. No, he said, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to cast thee as profane. 
I'm going to destroy you. I'm going to cast you down to the ground, and I will make a show of you before kings. So God here basically blames the devil for who he is now and has promised to judge him for it. So that tells me that the devil exists. God believes he exists, or else he wanted to put it in the book here. And basically he talks about the devil here. But if you go throughout the whole Old Testament, you won't see the devil mentioned hardly ever other than these scriptures. Why is that? Because back then, nobody had authority and power over the devil at that time. Basically, they just thought God was in control of everything. Some of you were here last week. See? Ain't that what was carried over in the New Testament now with Christians? It's basically the same thing. So, I mean, if they got struck by lightning in the Old Testament, God did it. I mean, if they died, God did it. They got blessed, God did it. Whatever happened, God did it. God did not unwrap Satan to them and demon spirits because they had no authority and power over them at that time anyway. So the knowledge wouldn't have helped them at all. But now in the New Testament, Jesus comes and what's he do? He starts tearing the wraps off the devil right away. He says, you've got power over this evil spirit, the devil. The devil's your enemy. He's going to come. Cast him out in my name. What's he doing? He's unwrapping and showing that there's other spirits involved in the natural realm and involved in, in Christianity and in kingdom living so that people could start taking advantage where they needed to take advantage of him in his life. So notice, God blames the devil for who he is, and he promises to judge him at one time. In, in verse 18, he defiled his sanctuaries. Notice he had high rank. He had sanctuaries. He, in other words, he had a position where he could get all the way to the throne. That's why when Jesus took his blood into the, had to take it into the holiest of holies because the blood is the only thing that cleanses anything. I mean, he just didn't take it in the second heaven. He just didn't take it up a little bit. He had to take it right to the throne room to cleanse and purify everything that the devil messed up when he sinned. So that's why the blood is important to go all the way to the throne room of God. He was rich in business. He was prosperous. He defiled his sanctuary. And once again, God says, I'm going to devour you with fire. I'm going to bring you down to ashes. So who is really Satan and the demons today? They're unemployed cherubs. One time they had a great job. One time they were doing good. But basically they got fired, praise God. And now basically they're roaming the earth realm. So God did not create the devil. He created someone called Lucifer. And God got mad at the devil for becoming the devil. All right, go to Isaiah 14. All right, Isaiah 14, look at verse 12. It says, How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer? So we know who he's talking to. He's talking to Lucifer at that time, who turned out to be the devil. Notice he was called the son of morning. How art thou cut down to the ground, which did do what? Weaken what? The nations. Is he weakening the nations even now? He is, isn't he? And what's most of it over? The love of money. Government corruption's got to do with the love of money. Everybody trying to get more and more and more. That's how he weakens the nations. He gets governments in there who want more money than they do to serve the people and do what they want to do. And what happens? It becomes corrupted, just like back then. Verse 13, For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the midst of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high God. Now, how many know that's good aspirations? And he had an anointing, and he was probably trying to operate in faith, but you cannot go after things by faith in the anointing that God never promised you to begin with. 
See, you can't pray for four husbands and expect the anointing of God to flow in the situation and get you four. It's not in the Bible. And this was not what? He was already in a position. He was where he belongs. He was where he is at. But he wanted more than that. Verse 15, God says, Yet thou shalt be brought down to hell to the sides of the pit. So notice, he had a throne. He basically was in that throne. But all at once there was a desire in his heart. And he, he started what's known as the kingdom of self. Say the kingdom of self. The kingdom of self is what most people live in if they're not living in the kingdom of God. There are really two kingdoms. There's a kingdom of you and the kingdom of God. And when you make God your number one priority, you go by the wayside and you serve God. If you don't, you live selfishly under God and basically live a terrible life because you're not allowed to live that way. You have to live for God and not yourself. And notice it was all an act of his will. I will ascend. I will exalt. I will sit. I will be like the most high God. And why did he do all this? Because of the love of money and wealth that he had. Now, you've got to ask yourself, and I ask myself, why does the devil hate me so much? I mean, I didn't do nothing to him. I'm just here. I just got born into the earth realm. He should go after God. Well, how many know he's not that stupid? So he's not going to go after God. But notice, what did he want? He wanted to be equal with God. He wanted to be just like God. He wanted to be a king. He wanted to be a priest. He wanted to be all these things. And he tries to do it, and God throws him out of heaven down to earth and just cuts him out all the way. And then he sees you get born again. And all at once, instantly, you're a son of God. Instantly, you're in God's image and likeness. Instantly. And you didn't do nothing to do it. You just got there freely. Now, I tell you, that'd make me mad. Come on, wouldn't it? Well, it made him mad too, you know. What are all these creatures getting the same thing that I, that I asked God for, and I wanted to get, and I fought for, and I strove for, and I did everything for, and all they do is receive Jesus as their Lord and Savior, and all at once they're sons of God, and they've got their own throne, and they've got power, and they've got authority. Why is that? Because you got freely what he wanted to get a lot, and he basically didn't get it. Praise God. All right, look at verse 15. And you shall be brought down to hell to the sides of the pit. In other words, God says you're going to be brought down. God did not condone the devil for what he did. He didn't congratulate the devil. He did not basically pump him up anyway. God sent basically then Jesus Christ to undo everything that the devil did to humanity. People says, but I believe that God has the devil on a leash, and now and then he will allow the devil to attack me. How many of you ever heard that? If God had the devil on a leash, you would never get bit. God don't send Jesus to die so the devil could bite you. God sent Jesus to knock all his teeth out. And how many know he did? Yeah. Praise God. All right, go to Luke chapter 9. And another person said, I'm just having such a rough time. You know, God, God uses the devil to teach me things. He uses me to make me stronger. He uses me to do all these things. So once again, when you're around people and you hear things that you don't register, the best thing you can do is go to the Bible and disprove what they said before just saying, well, I don't like that. And they'll say, I don't like it. And you'll say, prove it. And you'll say, prove it. And pretty soon you're in strife, division, and living for the devil and didn't even know it. Praise God, because you're out there in the wrong area. All right. Luke chapter 9, look at verse 1. Found out God didn't create the devil. Now does God use the devil? Luke chapter 9, look at verse 1. Then he called his 12 disciples together and gave them power and authority over all devils and to cure diseases. And he sent them to preach the kingdom of God, and to do what? Heal the sick. So here's Jesus, his disciples. He's giving them power and authority to his disciples, and he gave it over how many devils? How many devils? 
Now, we know there's one devil, but there's many demons. There's only one big boy, but there's the rest of them. Demons basically are fallen angels who followed Lucifer in his trafficking and his merchandise. And basically, they helped defile the sanctuaries. The bad news is, if you study the Bible, that he deceived one-third of the angels to fight against you on a daily basis. The good news is, two-thirds are on your side, praise God, which is better than one-third. So now, why would he give his disciples authority over all devils? if God is actually going to use some of the demons to teach you and grow you up in the things of God. In other words, how would I know which devil to cast out if one of them is a harassing devil and the other one's there to help that person grow in the things of God? Now I need spiritual discernment, don't I? Is this a good devil or is this a bad devil? Well, of course, all devils are bad. So if you believe that, well, God, just allow the devil to teach me a good lesson today. Well, then you're really not going to resist the devil. And you wouldn't want to resist the devil because of God and God's wisdom. He thinks he can grow you up better with the devil harassing you. You should probably pray and believe for more harassment so that you grow faster in your spiritual walk. But it's that that way. He gave them power and authority over all devils. Say all devils. Now, do you think when he gave them power and authority, he actually believed that they might use it? Yeah. He gives you power and authority over devils. These were his disciples. He expected them to start using it. Basically, when Adam was created, he was in authority. He was walking with God. Everything was fine. But when he sinned, he lost his authority at that time. And, and Satan became what the Bible calls little g, the God of this world. And also he was called the prince of the power of the air. So God's unwrapping him, saying, hey, he's in charge of the earth realm right now over the unborn again people. He has authority here now because Adam gave it to him. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to defeat him and give mankind back authority and power over the enemy. Then Jesus was going back and talking about your victory already over the enemy, not someone. You don't have to fight the devil. He's already been knocked down. He's already been knocked out. You are coming at him from a winner position, not a loser position. You're not coming as somebody who's running around being harassed by the devil. No, you are a victor. You are a priest. You are a king. And it's all because of what Jesus did for you that he gave you power and authority over the devil. Hallelujah. So and people go around and say, why does God allow the devil to do all these things? And I'm sure God's sitting up there saying, why does the church allow the devil to do all these things? So it all depends who you're going to, who you're thinking with, because he has given us back authority in our area to do what we need to do. So he gave his disciples authority and basically expected them to cast out devils. So it's not God's fault if the earth is being ran by evil people. Basically, it is the church's fault or our fault if we're born again, if he's basically running the earth. Once again, even in our own life, in my own life, I have authority in the areas of my life. The only one that can affect me spiritually is someone I yield to. God cannot do much in my life unless I yield to God and yield to the Holy Spirit and then the Spirit of God and God can get involved. Same way with demonic activity. I got to influence or allow their influence into my life in order to allow them in because they do not have a physical body. And you need a physical body to operate in this earth realm. Without a physical body, there's no rights here for anyone without one. Well, we have one. That's why the devil's after you, and that's why God's after you. God wants you to use your influence to extend the kingdom of God, which is the culture of God, which is the morality of God, which is all these things, godly things, into the earth realm. And the devil wants you to, to extend his morality. I mean, what's being done? See, he, he, when he gets in government, he can make laws and rules that basically counterdict God's morality, God's culture, God's economy, God's everything. So there's a battle for the earth, isn't there? 
not just for our government here, for the entire earth. Everybody here, there's a battle going on right now, and you are either being a part of one side or the other every day. What kind of culture do you reveal to people? Uh, what are your morals? Well, back in the old days, that used to be good, but it's changed. You know, we, we, we're, we're modern now. We do this instead, and, and, you know, God should have changed that probably. He really doesn't mean that anymore. He was just saying that. You know, God, he's always changing his mind anyway. No, he doesn't. He's already stated it in here, and I don't care what the world says. I don't care what the modern everybody says. It doesn't make any difference. What makes a difference is God has already spoken here, because once a king speaks something, it becomes law. And he's already spoken the things in here. So I'm going to line up, of course, with him and the things he's taught me and his morality. I'm going to line up with his economy. I'm going to line up with his culture. And the more I line up with that, the more I can influence people around me in that same culture. Praise God. So there's a fight basically over you. You're very important once again. How many know the devil never blew up a building? Come on, he never raped anybody. He never killed anybody. He used a human being to get those things done by influencing them, getting in their lives and showing them how to do that and influencing them to do it, basically. So it's very important that you understand that there's influence in the spirit realm in your life. And sometimes you just got to figure out what's coming against your mind, what he's saying. Nobody really does anything or says anything until you think. It's hard to talk. You know, a, a speaking is basically expressing the thought that's in your head. Let's face it. That's what it is. What, do you, what are they thinking? What did they say? See? Well, I don't understand what they're thinking. What did they say? Because whatever you think, you say. So basically, you know what somebody's thinking when they say something. So they're after your thought life. That's where the battle is. That's what takes place, and what, that's what the devil's after. And God basically is after your thoughts, isn't he? The Bible says that your thoughts are not his thoughts. Your ways are not his ways. But he'd sure like to have your thoughts his ways and his ways so that you could line up with God and do things in the earth realm. So God created the devil. He did not create the devil to attack mankind. He created the devil beautiful, wonderful, marvelous. The devil decided to extend to a position that did not belong to him or go to a place that he did. And while we're talking about this and while you brought it up, even if you have a call of God on your life and you locate that call, you can operate in a different position or a different call for a small amount of time, but you cannot operate in a position that you were not called to operate in. You cannot miss your, use your anointing like he did. I'm called to pastor. Can I sing? Yes. Can I, can I prophesy? Yes. Can I do other things? Yes. But I don't do them on a consistent basis because that's not what I was called to do. Are you following me? So I'm going to use my anointing basically for what I'm called to do and stay in line with God. What will you do? I will preach. I will teach. I will grow up the body of Christ. I will, I will do what he's told me to do. That way the anointing stays in my life. And basically the Holy Ghost influence stays in my life. Some people want to be everything. And I'll guarantee you we're not created to be everything. You know, jack of all trades, master of none. But it's not that way, praise God. Hallelujah. We're called to do something. And the more you stay in that, the more you're under the influence of the Holy Ghost. And notice what God uh, gets attacked for most in the world, I've discovered that he loves you. The greatest attack in your life is whether he loves you or not. Because every time you pray and it doesn't work out, you wonder why God didn't do this. I was sick and I don't know why God don't heal me. Well, I guess he don't love me. I thought he loved me, but he don't love me. Because if he loved me, he sure would heal me. And he, he would have gave me that $10 that I needed yesterday if he really loved me. But he don't love me. Worth. I thought he loved me. He said he loved me, but he sure didn't do anything. And the devil, devil attacks you with sickness and disease. I don't know why God put this on me and allowed this on me. I thought he really loved me. And what's he after? He's after to separate you from the love of God. Because your faith comes out of God's love to begin with. If you can't trust God, it's hard to believe him. See, so he attacks. What's the attack? Does God love you or doesn't God love you? He wants to go after that love of God. And the Bible says, you know, you've got to understand that God loves you before you can love 
others. So if you don't trust God and don't think he loves you, even though you try, you're not going to be able to love anybody else anyway. So basically he attacks the love of God. And how does he do that? Wrong doctrine. Wrong doctrine. God's in control of everything. Tornado hits your house. That was God. I thought he loved me. But no, no, that was a tornado and it hit your house. It was in the wrong spot. Praise God. Hallelujah. Are you following me? Don't ever think that God don't love you no matter how stupid you get or what you do. It doesn't matter. His unconditional love. I mean, he died for you while you were a mess. He didn't wait till you came to him and prayed four weeks and read the Bible 32 times and yelled hallelujah 14 times. He said, I'm going to save them, bless God. They're just doing such a good job. No, before we were even righteous, he came and died for each and every one of us. So now you're his child. You've got to understand he, he, at least, you just understand he loves you now. So God's love is very important in whatever you're doing. All right, go to Luke chapter 10. Right, Luke chapter 10, verse 17, this is the early Christians. It says in verse 17, And the seventy returned again with joy, saying, Lord, even the devils are subject unto us through thy name. Notice, even the devils, say even the devils. Now notice, that, that tells me that these guys were shocked. In other words, they were told basically to have authority and have power, and they went out and started casting out devils, and I don't even think they thought it was going to work, but it did. You know, so they came back to Jesus and said, my God, it works. Even the devils come out when I, in Jesus' name when I speak to devils and they come out. What was he doing basically? He was showing them that they have power and authority over the devils. Now, how many know the disciples were not born again at this time? They were not Holy Ghost filled at this time. They were just operating on the anointing and the authority that Jesus had given them. And notice one of the, the key words here in verse 17, and the 70 returned again with what? Joy. With what? Joy. With what? Joy. So why did they have joy? Because they were doing what? Casting out devils. Why is it a joyless church? Well, because devils don't exist anymore. They went away with the Old Testament, and they're not even around anymore. No, they're gone. Some of them got real old, and they're in the cemetery now. I went and saw devil number one, devil number two, devil number three. No, but the demons are still there, but people want to equate everything to God's problem, and this person's problem, and that person's problem. And I was saying everything is a demon problem, but there are demons involved if you get them in, involved in the thing. So basically what you've got to do, you've got to understand, basically, that demons and casting out devils. How many know if you witness to somebody negative? born again and you leave there, you're happy. There's a certain joy that hits you that you didn't even know you had on the inside. You lay hands on somebody, you say, be healed, and you walk away and they call you 10 minutes later and say, oh my God, it's gone. It brings a joy to your life. It don't matter how much money you got in the bank at that time. It don't matter what kind of car you're driving. It doesn't, it's a supernatural joy that comes up on the inside of you because you are now fulfilling the call that you were put here to do. And whenever you do that, nothing else makes any difference, praise God, as long as you're operating in the things of God. So doctrines of devils basically, once again, will keep you from doing these things. It'll rob you of your peace and joy. It'll rob you of your victory. It'll rob you of your faith. So basically what you want to do is continue to go in the truth. Now look at verse 18. And Jesus said unto them, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. Notice, he's prophesying. Say he's prophesying. It's prophesying of a day that he sees in the future when Satan's going to be cast out of heaven once and for all. The blood of Jesus is going to go up there and sanctify all the sanctuaries that are there. And the devil at this time can no longer get into heaven as he could way back then. He can't get in there anymore, praise God. And that's good news because most people think every time they make a mistake, he runs up before God and starts blaming you for it, but he can't even get in there. So he can't run before God and say, look what they did, look what they did. He can't get up there anymore. He doesn't accuse the brethren before God anymore. You know what he does? He accuses the brethren to you. 
You make a fault, and he says, oh, I'm telling God. And he can't even get up there anyway. I'm telling God on you. You did it. You're unworthy. You're a failure. You can't do this. You can't do that. But notice he can't even get up there, praise God. So he's going to accuse you. I'll tell you, there's two times he'll accuse you, when you do something wrong and when you don't. Those are the only two times he'll accuse you. When you do it wrong, even if you don't, he'll come and tell you that you did something wrong. And you say, God, was that wrong? Did I really do that? Did I do that? Oh, I might have did that. I don't know. Did I do that? See, that's what he does. He wants to you live guilty. He's after your thought life, basically. All right, go to 2 Corinthians chapter 2. You're not doing enough. You never did enough. God mad at you. He doesn't like you. All right, 2 Corinthians chapter 2, look at verse 10. To whom you forgive anything, I forgive also. For if I forgave anything, to whom I forgave it, for your sakes forgave it I in the person of Christ. Unless Satan should get an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his what? Devices. So here he's basically saying that you have an advantage. Say, I have an advantage over all evil spirits. So you have an advantage over all spirits basically demonic spirits and here it says basically you need to hang on to that advantage that you have now wrong doctrine can basically take you out of your advantage if you're believing the wrong thing or that God's in control or the devil's on your side or whatever you want to believe tongues of the devil and all those areas there basically you allow him in but he also here talks about unforgiveness say unforgiveness and if you want to study unforgiveness, find James on the internet. Go to him, and he's got a whole teaching on unforgiveness. I'm not going to take 20 minutes to do it tonight because I don't have time. But it's there. Unforgiveness is a biggie. Whether you believe it or not, I don't care who it is. I don't care what they did to you. I don't care why they did it to you. I don't care if it was fair or unfair or not fair or right or not right. Don't make any difference. You have to forgive or else you're going to allow the devil into your life. It's just simple as that we can't do that we forgive he forgave us he forgave the people that hung him on the cross even while he was on the cross father forgive them and that's what we're expected to do because he already forgave us so it don't matter who it is in your life that did you hear their name and you go Ugh, that's the person you need to think about and deal well, I forgave them I hope they die tomorrow but I forgive them now say you did not forgive them your lip service in somebody there shouldn't be anything here when you run into that person. If they're on one side of the street, you shouldn't go to the other side just because it's too crowded on that side. <laughs> See? These are things, and, and we're spiritual people. Come on now. We know in here when we feel that way and when it's in there. And, when, and the more you meditate on it, it's like a tree. Just bigger it gets and the madder you get and the more upset you get and the more angry. You, you can't afford to do that in the world today. There's enough angry people out there. Don't join them, for goodness sakes. Everybody's mad at something, glory to God. So we don't want to do that, do we? We want to not give him an advantage, say an advantage, in our lives. All right, go to Mark chapter 16. All right, Mark 16, let's just start in verse 15. And Jesus said unto them, Go you into all the world and preach the good news to every creature. He that believes and is baptized shall be saved. He that believes not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow them that believe. 
In my name shall they cast out devils, shall they speak a new tongue, shall they take up serpents, and if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. So then after the Lord had spoken unto them, he was received up into heaven, sat on the right hand of God, and they went forth and preached everywhere the Lord working with them and confirming the word with signs following Amen. Here it's talking about not pastors, not any other people. Talk about believers. Say believers. Are you a believer? All right. If you're a believer, then it tells you when you run into the devil, you are supposed to cast him out. Not tolerate him. Not put up with him. Not testify about what he's doing in your life. You are here to cast him out. Say cast him out. Now, what is our weapon against the devil? I mean, is it a club? Is it the karate that we learned back in the third grade? Can we chop him out of there? I mean, what are we going to do? Throw something at him? No, basically, he's a spirit being. So we have to fight spirit with spirit. And what do we have that's spirit? Jesus said, my words, they are, and they are, my words are spirit and life. So the, the thing that we have is a sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Don't reason with the devil. Take the word. Remember when he attacked Jesus, Jesus just said, oh, that's good, but it is written. It is written. It is written. It is written. Why? Because the word of God is what kept the devil at bay. He could not overcome the word of God. Now, once again, if you get back to the devil is on a leash and sometimes God wants him to teach or not teach you, then I as a believer, when it comes time to cast out a devil, I need to find out whether this is a godly sent devil or a devilly sent devil. So do I cast him out or don't cast him out? So pretty soon I'm wondering whether I should or whether I shouldn't. Do I do it or not? Maybe I could ask him, are you a godly devil or are you a devilly devil? And they'll probably say, godly. So then you'll say, okay, they'll praise God and do what you're supposed to do. But it's not that way. We are to cast out all devils. We are to heal the sick. And we are to pray in other what? Pray in other tongues. Praise God. All right, go to James chapter 4. A large part of dealing with spirits and dealing with the devil is basically learning your rights in the kingdom of God. Once you learn your rights and you know they belong to you, you will start protecting your rights in the kingdom of God because you know they belong to you and you're not so easily talked out of what already belongs to you. You know, there's a lot of people out there who get saved, never get in the word, and they still go back to get saved over and over and over again because the devil talks them out of their salvation and they think they've got to go back and get saved again. Once you start to grow just a little bit in the things of God, you'll never have to question whether you're born again or saved or not. In other words, somebody come up to you and say, well, you're not saved. You'd say, of course I'm saved. You're out of your mind. I got saved December 21st, 1985, 7 o'clock in the evening. I got born again. Why? You know, I knew exactly the same time. I knew the day. I knew exactly when it happened. And nobody going to talk me out of being saved. But we got to go the same way when healing, a symptom comes. Same thing with depression comes when all these things come. You got to understand, you got to write not to live in that stuff and not walk in that stuff. So you got to tell that stuff to go. Praise God. All right, James chapter 4, look at verse 7. It says, you need to submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and what will happen? He will flee. So this is talking to believers, talking to kingdom people, basically with power and authority. He only gives you two commands with the devil, two responsibilities. First of all, submit to God. Say, submit to God. That means agree with God, agree with his word, agree with what he said, agree with what belongs to you. Resist the devil, and the devil has one responsibility, and what is that? He will flee. So notice once again, God is not in this verse. God is not responsible for submitting to himself. He's not responsible for telling the devil to go. You are responsible yourself 
so that the devil does not steal your peace, does not steal your joy, does not steal your possessions, and it's not God's fault when he does. It's either ignorance of or lack to do what you already know how to do. Your salvation goes beyond simply a ticket to heaven. You've been given authority and power to live in victory in every single area of your life. So we don't ignore these thoughts. We don't ignore the devil. We re resist them and we speak the word against them. How many know you're going to be tempted to get depressed every now and then? You're going to get tempted to have a down day. You're going to be tempted to have a pity party because nobody likes me anymore. You're going to have tempted to do these things. These things are not of God. There's nowhere in the world that says my believers shall be in a pity party depressed and down and out in their whole life. It doesn't say that. It says that you have victory. You're more than a conqueror. The peace that passes understanding is yours. The joy of the Lord is your strength. All these things belong to us. So you have to see those as possessions and somebody trying to take them from you. I mean, go gossip is, is demonic. Complaining is demonic. Complaining is basically worshiping the devil. We don't want to do that stuff because when you do that, you attract demonic spirits. You, you bring influence into your life that you don't need there. So we're going to resist those things. When I feel like I'm getting depressed, then I'm going to resist them, praise God. I'm going to praise the Lord. I'm going to get off that uh, heaviness that's on me. I'm going to do something about it. I'm just not going to sit there and do nothing. I mean, no, that doesn't do it. A lot of people, you know, when they get attacked by depression or down and out, they, they go to bed. Well, that's good, but you've got to wake up sooner or later. You know, he's not going to say, oh, they're asleep. I'm going to move I'm going to move on. I don't know how long they're going to be out. My god, I ain't got all day. No, you you need to resist it, see? And then if you're tired, go to bed. But wake up in the morning, continue to resist it and continue to walk in the joy and the peace of God. Hallelujah. All right, go to Ephesians chapter 1. All right, Ephesians chapter 1, let's just read this whole thing. Start in verse 17. It's a prayer that Paul put in Ephesians. It says that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him, that the eyes of your understanding would be enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of the inheritance is in the saints and what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe. It's according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in heavenly places, far above all principality, power, might, and dominion, and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. And he's put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. Now, this is a powerful area of scripture here. Basically, if you can just believe this prayer right here, it will help you in every single area of your life. It's about all the churches, basically, that Jesus has risen. He's been seated at the right hand of the Father. He's defeated the devil. He's given us power and authority in our lives, the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. When I first used to read these scriptures, and I didn't think I had any authority or any power at all, I'd read these scriptures, and I'd be excited because I know that, you know, 
know, we celebrate on what they call Resurrection Day that Jesus was raised from the dead. And he was raised from the dead. He was seated in heavenly places, far above all principality, power, might, and dominion. Good for Jesus. He defeated the devil. I'm glad for Jesus. He did all these things. And Jesus is at the right hand just having a good old time up there with the Father. Thank you. Good for you, Jesus. I'm just so glad you're living in victory and everything else. But, and then I'd say, but I'm going through hell down here. It's not going so well down here. It may be good up there at the right hand of the Father. You may be having a real good party with the angel, but it's not doing good down here at all, praise God. My finances stink. My job stinks. My boss stinks. Everything stinks in my life, and it's just not going very good, and I just don't know what to do about it. And then one day I read past there. Say past there. Sometimes you've got to go a little further. Look at verse 5. Even when we were dead in sins, has quickened us together with Christ. By grace are you saved. And has raised us up together and has made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That told me that not only was he raised in victory that day, but when he was raised, I was also raised with him in that victory. Not only is he seated at the right hand of the Father, but I am also seated at the right hand of the Father. So at that time, his party became my party. No longer complaining about what's going on, what the devil's doing, whatever. If he ruled over the devil, then I can rule over the devil. If he has authority, then I have authority. If he has power, then I have power. So I saw myself seated in heavenly places rather than down here on this old rotten earth hoping that the rapture happened tomorrow because I want to get out of here. See, It depends on your perception when you read the Bible and how it changes your mind, how you look at things. I mean, how do you see the devil? Most of the time you go to a church and you mention the devil and they go, oh, don't say that, he'll hear you. He'll send a whole horde of demons after you. No, he won't, praise God, unless you invite him in. See, but people are afraid of the devil. They don't want to talk about that. I mean, we just went through Halloween, for goodness sakes. Dear Lord Jesus. Went through Halloween, you know, a bunch of spooky stuff, a bunch of this kind of stuff. Where's all these little kids getting these ideas? It's starting at a young age, ain't it? Yep, and then they watch a, you know, Chucky or whoever that stupid doll is that walks around chopping everybody's head off and that's their family movie for the night. I mean, what do you think these kids are going to think when you mention the word devil, for God's sakes? They're going to run the other way. Hallelujah. I went and saw The Exorcist when I was young in my teenage years. I went and saw The Exorcist, but I was drunk. I'll tell you, if you want to go to one of them movies, you might as well get drunk first. I mean, at least you'll have a good time. You won't remember anything that happened anyway. I remember yet when his head spun around, we just, we just lost it, man. <laughs> Everybody else is screaming, shouting, and we're just losing it when that happened, man. We almost got thrown out of the theater. Well, that, you've got to understand, this stuff isn't real on them movies, and it's not, you never see one where somebody's walking the earth casting the devil out of everybody, and everybody's throwing up and speaking another. You don't see that, but what everybody sees is this kind of stuff, so your opinion is given. So all at once you see the devil way up here, and you're way down here, and he's hovering over you, and we hear prophecies, there's a dark cloud over the world right now. Oh, it's dark, 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 dark. It's so dark, the Holy Ghost can't even move. No, the reason why he's up there is because the Holy Ghost is down here, and he can't get in, for God's sakes. See, it depends on which way you look at things. Your perspective is there. Um, sickness and disease, the same way. What's your perspective? Depression, what's your, what's your perspective of it? Joy, what's your perspective? What are you looking? Are you seated and looking down, or are you down here trying to get up, trying to climb the ladder? No, you've already been raised in heavenly places far above all principality, power, might, and dominion, and everything that you see now should be from that perspective rather than the earthly perspective down here. All right, go to, we're in Ephesians, go to chapter 4.
Come out. <laughs> All right, Ephesians chapter 4. Look at verse 26. Be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Now, how many know you should probably do that? Verse 27. Neither give place to who? Now, notice, God doesn't say, don't worry. I'm not going to give place to the devil in your life. You don't have a thing to worry about. He's talking to you. He says, neither should you give place to the devil. So now, if God tells you to not give place to the devil, then the God gives devil place in your life, then how is God judge you for the devil's place in your life when he allowed the place in your life to begin with because that's what he did? See, he'd be a hypocrite, wouldn't he? No. So basically, he tells you to keep the devil out of your life. It's up to you. He's totally against anything demonic in your life, totally against any kind of influence of the devil in your life. And as we grow and we continue to grow, basically, we will understand that there's things, the way that we think and the way that we talk, it's going to attract some spiritual influence in our life. Our mouth is a powerful thing, but once again, we think before we speak. So if we can line our thoughts up, our mouth will line up with that also. If you've been in poverty your whole life, you talk poverty, you think poverty, you're never going to make it, never going to have enough money. I'll tell you what's going to happen. You're never going to make it. You're never going to have enough money. Because you're influencing with poverty from spiritual beings and everything else. Same with sickness, disease. If you've been sick your whole life or suffering with sickness, you've got to see yourself coming out of that thing, coming out of that wheelchair, coming out of that problem, coming out of that situation, and allow the Spirit of God raise you to another level of your thought life. So basically you can start influencing things with the Holy Ghost. So he says, give no place to the devil in your life. The question is, can you? Yes. All right, go to First Peter chapter 5. And sometimes you're giving the devil a place in your life, and you really don't even know that you're giving the devil some place in your life. You know? Probably we all are in certain places. So you're walking into church, and you say something stupid that basically is going to allow demonic influence in your life, and somebody comes up to you. James is sitting in the back row, and James says, Hey, hey, you don't want to do that, because if you do that, you do that, you do that. The last thing you should do is get offended. You understand? He's trying to help you. He's not cutting you down. He's not saying stupid. He's not doing that. He's trying to teach you and, and let you learn so you don't do that and allow it into your life so he will come and lovingly correct you. If you cannot take correction, your growth is not going to go very far. It's the way it is. There's correction there. There's correction for all of us yet. There's correction for me all the time. Somebody corrects me, I go with it. Holy Ghost corrects me all the time, you got to go with it. Praise God. It doesn't say agree with the Holy Ghost. It says change with the Holy Ghost. Praise God. Because he knows more than you do. So there's correction. That's why we're a body of believers. We are here not to show much, how much we know compared to our brother sitting in row three. We're here basically to help one another grow up in the things of God so that we become one mind, one heart, one spirit, one mouth in this place so that we see the power of God flow in this place and revival every single time we get together. All right, where did we go? All right, First Peter chapter 5. Look at verse 6. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for who? Now, notice what this says, humble yourself. In other words, don't get into pride. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. How do I do that? I cast all my care upon him, for he cares for me. So does that mean worry is prideful? Yes. It does, doesn't it? 
It means where he's prideful. He already says, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. Why are you worrying? Whenever you're worrying about a situation, you're trying to figure out how you're going to get out of that situation, and you're going to do this in the natural, and you're going to do that rather than understanding that God has already given you a way of escape in the word of God, and when you get in trouble and want to start worrying, go find where your escape is, get the word of God, and get out of the darn thing. But he tells you to humble yourself. Now, that's not what we thought pride was. Pride was when you say that you never worry. Do you ever worry? No, I never worry. Oh, prideful. Pride comes before the fall. It's a favorite line of everybody. No, you're not being prideful. You just decided not to worry anymore and waste your thought life and your time doing something that absolutely does no good for you whatsoever. All right, look at the next verse. Verse 8. Be sober. Thank you. Be vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walks about seeking whom he may devour. Now notice, here's the devil again. What's he doing? He's walking around. He's seeking whom he may devour. He's looking. Who's he going to devour? Well, somebody who's worrying. We already know that. Someone who's in unforgiveness. Someone who's not resisting him when he comes. He's going to be able that he may devour. He's not devouring everybody. He's just devouring those who he may devour. So we have to be sober. We have to be vigilant. Once again, this has nothing to do with God. Then verse 9, whom resists steadfast in the... Now whose job is that? Is that God's job? No, it's our job again, isn't it? So all these things are our job because he's already given us the authority. He's already given us the power. He's already given us the ability to do these things. So it's not really God's decision whether you're under attack or living under that attack. It's your decision to sort it out and use the word of God. So God wants the devil to have no place. Say, God wants the devil. Demons. Demons to have no place in my life. All right, go to Romans 16. As I memorized that scripture of don't allow any place in your life and read through the Bible, I found a place where God contradicts his own scripture. How many of you believe that? Nope. nope, it's true. I'll show you. Romans chapter 16, look at verse 20. And the God of peace shall bruise Satan under your feet shortly. See, God wants the devil to have a place in your life, right underneath your feet. Right underneath your feet. That's what it says. And the God of peace shall bruise saintly where? Under your feet when? Shortly. Praise God. Hallelujah. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. So there is a place you can give him in your life. He says right down here under your feet. You walk on him. Whenever he comes around, you just stand on him. Remember what we read in Ephesians. The church, he's put, put everything underneath his feet. We are the body of Christ, so we are also the feet of Christ. And we have authority over Satan in every single area of our life. There's no reason to be afraid of demons. No reason to be afraid of devils. But you need to learn how to conduct to to get a hold of their influence in your life and be able to know when he's coming against you and with what. And get it right away. Don't let it take root in your thought. Don't let it take root in your mouth. Get rid of it right away. Keep that pity party out of your life. Keep sickness out of your mouth. Keep poverty out of your mouth. Keep all those things out of your mouth. They do not come from God. They come from the enemy trying to talk you so that he can get into your life and get a place by what you think and by what you say. Hallelujah. Father, I thank you for your word tonight. 
I thank you for revelation. I just pray that every heart here received a, a divine revelation from you tonight that they didn't have before. I thank you that they see themselves as you see them. They can, they can do what you say they can do. You can be what they say that you can be, that they just follow your word and stay on your word. Father, it is written is the most powerful thing that we have. We thank you that as we continue to put the word in our house, the spirit of God will use that word to continually keep us free and keep the devil out of every single area of our life. We thank you for tonight and we thank you for what you're done in our lives in Jesus' name and everybody said. Amen. Amen. All right. Praise God.